I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of Carvassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the Carvassier, but definitely a lady. If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week, but my Saturday night cologne is Grant because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, you get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you're listening on an audio platform, please give us a five-star review. It helps more than you know. But uh, if you've subscribed, you know that already because I say it every week. All right. (laughs) This week, joining me is Aaron Clary, author, economist, Rule Zero panelist, YouTuber, fossil hunter, and consultant, among many other things. He's the author of The Book of Numbers, Analyzing the ROI on the Pursuit of Women, which is the main reason why I invited him on the podcast. You know, he's the third Rule Zero guy that I've had on. I've had uh, Paul Benjamin and Rolo Tomasi on, now Aaron Clary. And uh, an interesting thing is, you know, since connecting with these guys, I've connected with other Rule Zero guys, you know, like Ryan Stone and... um, Jack Napier on Twitter and oh and uh Rich Cooper on on Twitter and uh it's funny like the more I interact with these guys on social media the more I feel like Anakin Skywalker going to the dark side you know <laughs> cuz like my podcast has always been rather purple pill you know the whole time it's been around I mean I I do touch on red pill concepts but uh yeah, it's been it's been fascinating. I've been actually really enjoying uh, following these guys and following their actual Rule Zero discussions because, you know, if you watch a lot of red pill content or under the banner of red pill on the internet, there's a lot of like just women bashing and just negative shit that doesn't really help anybody. But if you if you actually sit and and, and watch some of these rule zero panels, like it's real helpful content. Like they give you actionable advice, right? Like not being a piece of shit, like going to the gym, you know, how to actually maintain frame, how to actually possibly keep a woman attracted to you because you're not a beta bitch, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, if you really sort of like anything else in life, right, you got to take what's useful. And, um, yeah, just 
just interacting with these guys has totally changed my my viewpoint on on all of it. And they're actually really cool guys. In fact, uh, Aaron here, he's the owner of assholeconsulting.com. And I asked him about that. Like, why do you have a, a consulting company called Asshole Consulting when you actually seem like a likable dude? And he is, um, as you'll see in this interview. In fact, I know it's January, but uh, Aaron's wearing a, a Santa cap for this uh, interview. That's because we recorded this back in December. But uh, no, I mean, like Aaron's a totally cool guy. Um, and I really enjoyed talking to him. And I will bring you that conversation right after this. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I often get inundated in my DMs on TikTok and Instagram with guys asking me for online dating tips. How should I respond to this message? How should I set up my profile? How do I start a conversation? Look guys, I'm a podcast host, not a dating coach. That's why I've partnered with one of the best dating coaches in the industry. You may know him as Performance Potential on TikTok, but I know him as Evan. And Evan has come up with one of the best dating app coaching programs in the industry that he's calling the Dating Dynamic. If you click the link in the description and use my promo code COMEONMAN30 at checkout, you will get 30% off the cost of his program because you're one of my listeners. You often hear that 80% of women are only going for the top 20% of men on dating apps. Well, this course is guaranteed to show you how you can be in that top 20%. So quit complaining and do something about it. Click the link in the description to sign up for the Dating Dynamic program today and get 30% off when you use my promo code COMEONMAN30. Again, click the link in the description and get 30% off when you use my promo code COMEONMAN30. Be in the top 20%. All right, joining me this week is Aaron Clary, author, economist, Rule Zero panelist, YouTuber, fossil hunter. Hell, Aaron, is there anything you don't do? Uh, little boys. That's the little, <laughs> little boys. That, uh, among other things, but that's the first thing I absolutely do not do is yeah. little boys. Right. Let's, yeah. let's keep it that way. Yeah. That's yeah. probably yeah. a good thing. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. No, no problem. I, uh, I have to say, I'm very impressed that you actually read a book before interviewing the guy. Cause when you were tweeting it out and everything, I'm like, holy cow, Paul's actually reading the book. I was like, man, he's doing his homework. So I was like, I was very impressed, very happy. Yeah, I I like to do that as much as possible, mm-hmm. uh, and I love I, I I'm uh, an avid audiobook reader, so I'm constantly listening to new stuff. So any excuse I can get to listen to something new, it it helps out. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a really good book, by the way. So the reason why I had Aaron on is he has a book called The Book of Numbers, and it's a fascinating book. I mean, it, he it's it's written. You know, in the way that I w- an economist would write something mm. like that. So it's very, it's it's all the numbers crunched together, easily digestible. It's not too long. So yeah, I re- I really enjoyed it. Um, one question I have for you though, Aaron, I like to ask. I ask uh, I like to ask all the other guys in the manosphere this, but uh, who hurt you, Aaron? Uh, 
it was a death by a thousand cuts. Uh, yeah, it, it was like pretty much all of them. And it wasn't like, you know, certainly some hurt you more than others, but it, it's kind of you, you, the, the correct answer for most men, if you did any sort put any sort of effort into dating would be like, what kind of a question is that? Well, of course I, yes, lots of people. What are you talking about? It's, it's, it's no one individual, but it was, it was a lot. Yeah. The cumulative group of people. Yes. And that, that kind of hurt me. To me, it's it's an absurd question. I get it a lot. Uh, I, I'm on TikTok mostly, and I get it all the time, especially if I do a, a, a video on why it doesn't be- benefit men to get married. Hmm. There's always someone in there like, who hurt you? Well, my wife, my ex-wife did for one. For, you right. Know. <laughs> you know, pretty- it's, it, it lit it well. Okay, it's, it's not to this extreme, but the absurdity is like, you know, it's 1946, and you go up to some Jewish guy that made it out of the concentration camp. Well, who hurt you? It's like, well, let me explain. Like, yes, this happened. This is not, it's not shtick. The men aren't weak. You know, you got a half, a, half the people end up in divorce. Um, the vast majority of your experiences are not pleasant. It's, and you know, uh, and most of the time, uh, and I'm not, I'm not trying to paint like the victim thing here, <clears throat> but for the most part, you were wronged in some way in the, in the majority of instances. And it could be something very minor. Like the most common one is getting stood up or a girl will flake on you. Mm-hmm. Now that's not the end of the world. And if you had any kind of older brother or, or kind of experience, you'd know to expect that, but it still just takes a little, a little bit out of the armor or just, it just, it does hurt. It's like a, a, a mosquito sting. And after a while, you like, you'll, you'll develop a distaste for mosquitoes. You know, and it's, and it's it's not like, well, it's not, I remember that one mosquito that stung me out of the literally thousands, but it's like, generally I'm, I'm, I'm perturbed at mosquitoes right now, you know? And so, yes, it, this stuff did happen. And, and the, but when people ask that question, they're, they're trying to run cover for themselves and protect their own belief system. So if anyone has asked you that question, you have won the argument. You might as well not even be discussing with that person anymore. But yeah, I always get a kick out of that joke. I'm like, well, a lot of people, what do you mean? (laughs) Yes. Lots of people. Yeah. What, what I don't understand is like the people that ask that they act as if they've never been hurt, you know? And I think the difference between, you know, me and them is that I took it, I took that pain and I learned from it. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to make myself better <laughs> because of it, you know? Right. I mean, you got, you got over it, but it's not like you didn't forget. You almost want to ask them a question. Well, what, haven't you been hurt? You know, like show me this world of hurtless people. No one ever got hurt. Everyone just had coasted through life and no, it doesn't exist. So I, I, it's a, it's a foolish question is really what it is. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that kind of what, uh, COVID is right. I mean, we're supposed to be locked down, never go outside. So we never experience anything bad again. Right. Well, yeah, that, that's and they, they, <laughs> those social scientists and politicians have finally figured out the formula of utopia this time. If we all just do what they say this one last time, everything will be fine and no one will get hurt ever again. That's right. It's all unicorn mm-hmm. and rainbows. So Aaron, are, are you married? I, I think no. I saw you're not married. Okay. No. Cause I saw uh, the reason why I asked is I saw you, you posted on Twitter where you're out hunting agates and fossils in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And you made a quip about how us corporate cogs need to get back to work because your right. wife's Range Rover <laughs> doesn't right. pay its own right. lease. Right. So, so I do not know. I do not have a, a wife. I do have a girlfriend. <clears throat> um, that's one of them who didn't hurt me. 
uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it's it's nothing exciting or grandiose. Um, but I, I will never get married. Do not absolutely do not. And and I even like my girlfriend, which is rare for a lot of people to say. Uh-huh. But like, no, there's just no reason to get married. Not not at all. Were Were you ever married? No, 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 so, never. Okay. So all my got close a couple times, but um, and it was and I, I in in fairness to women, it was like they're trying to wrestle a marlin into the into the boat. <laughs> and uh, it was, and it's just, it's, it, well, it's generally against men's nature. You say, like, no, I want to bang a bunch of other chicks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, there's no way I'm getting in the boat, not with the divorce. And it has, it, it really doesn't have that much to do with women. It has to do with more the, the legal system, the court. And you're aware that you, you went through divorce. Um, and it's just kind of like, yeah. no, this is, this is a non-starter. This is, um, and you had Rolo on and he, he nailed it when he calls it an unconscionable contract. You, you are insane. Mm-hmm. for getting into that contract so it really is just a a legal risk and and um and then on top of it you can add like okay you show me a marriageable gal and, and that that unto itself is a separate challenge but yeah legally it's just there's there's no reason whatsoever for men to get married yeah i really really wished i knew that stuff when i was 18 but i was uh i was your typical blue pill simp i it was raised where you know, the end game is the white picket fence and uh, 2.5 right. kids. And so I was rushing to that. I got married when I was 20 years old. Wasn't even old. Oh, enough to wow. Drink. That yeah. young, eh? Oh, wow. yeah. yeah. So and I was married for 14 years. So I, it was a pretty solid run. But mm. seven years into it, I was like, this is trash. I, I'm never doing this again. And mm. yeah, <laughs> I, I learned I had to learn the hard way. But I, I really feel like it it makes it we should really be pushing the younger guys and and opening up their eyes to this stuff you know because well it's it's um and i'm not even that's just the tragic thing about this i'm not joking like you know we we were warned about drugs right when we were kids like don't do drug heroin bad okay we got everyone (laughs) to quit smoking well, the consequences and risks of marriage are pretty darn equivalent to like smoking uh three packs a day I mean, you got a one in two chance of coming out not forced. That says nothing about whether you're happy or not. Um, and it destroys your finances. It absolutely wreaks havoc on your mental health. No doubt it is not good for your physical health, but we don't mention that. We don't tell anybody about that. And, and while that's changing now, of course, because thank God we have the internet and we got people with gray hair in the beard like you and me yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to warn. I mean, literally warn the, the younger guys like this is not a joke. This, you know, but um, yeah, it, it is it is a pretty I'm trying to think it's on par with dealing hard drugs or doing hard <laughs> drugs. It really is. It, it yeah. is. it is about that bad. I mean, just, you know, or or riding a crotch rocket dangerously without a helmet. Uh, it is just not something you should be doing. And um, this is enough for debate. This is this is Nancy Reagan. Just don't just say no. And by gosh, she was right about drugs. And she should we should be saying that about marriage, too. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I have a, I have a question. People call you Cappy. Where did you get that yeah. nickname? Oh, God, that's a long time. Uh, so I have my primary website is back in the blogging days, probably even before you were married, 2004. Uh, I have a blog started called captain capitalism I, I got married in 2000 actually but 2000, okay so okay maybe not okay i'm <laughs> i'm old you yeah, were I'm still old. happy and like <laughs> still naive you know, yes that, yes that definitely naive. period right yeah. right so um uh 2004 i just started a blog 
Now it's called Captain Capitalism. And then I forgot who, but someone just started calling me Cappy Cap. And uh, ah. then it just ended up being Cappy. And so okay. now everyone calls me Cappy. Heck, I don't even know if most people know it. It harkens back to the blog, but that's that's the origins of that uh, moniker. Oh, okay. So Cappy is short for Captain. For Captain, Captain right. Okay. Of which I've never served in the military. I've never been in the police or anything like that. So I, I'm not a real Captain. I'm just an internet one. <laughs> just just play one on the internet. That's yeah. fine. So, all right. So your book, uh, The Book of Numbers, Analyzing the ROI on the Pursuit of Women. What motivated you to crunch those numbers when it came to relationships? Um, as an economist, <clears throat> what there's you could talk academic and theory all you want, but until you start putting some numbers to things, you you actually don't know. And that's pretty much been my specialty as an economist. I mean, my first book was uh, predicting the housing crisis, so it was very numbers intensive. And you can't just say, "I think the housing market's going to crash." You need to show data. And so what I saw, especially because I have, I have a, not to go too far on a tangent, but I have a side uh, consulting company called Asshole Consulting. Mm -hmm. And so I kept getting these questions that were the same questions like, well, how about approaching girls this way? Or what if I approach girls that way? Or what if it, and it's like, look, and what, what it ended up being is that men were always trying to find either the cheat codes or the secret algorithm or the, the magical formula and it dawned on me, men are much more empirical. And at least in my case, when I see numbers, it is scorched into my brain a little bit more clearly. If you just tell me, oh, you really ought to not, I don't know, eat, eat cheese too much, you get cholesterol. Eh. Well, then you show me the statistics of cholesterol and the correlation with heart attack and stroke. Okay, I think men will pay a lot more attention when there's numbers involved. And so that's what I wanted to do. So I went out to kind of like, not really shut people up but like look before you ask me for the 84th time well what if i wear blue shoes will she go out with me then here's the numbers here's the data this is what you're going up against it's almost like before you go into that casino on the vegas strip here are your statistical chances of winning at blackjack baccarat uh kino or whatever other game you're going to play and as opposed to say black or, uh, the casinos where okay you go in with 50 bucks let's say you go in with 500 bucks that's one thing men are going into this metaphorical uh, casino of hoo-ha with their lives their freaking lives and their mental health and at least a quarter million dollars cash that's what the average guy is going to piss away on girls and since there is really no bigger investment in terms of time, money, resources, and, and other forms of resources for men, I'm like, here, it's kind of like an investment perspective. It's like, here, this is these are the data. This is the chances. This is what you can expect. And I even went to, to so it could be beyond reproach, I had an actuary audit my figures. What, like, uh, okay, just, yeah. just what is an actuary? Uh, they're a professional statistician, a statistician for lack of a better word, but they okay. generally work in the insurance industry. Though some do go do statistical work for casinos and anything involving numbers. But basically, you couldn't find a more authoritative person than an actuary on statistics. So the fact an actuary has gone through this and kind of gave it their blessing. Uh, it, I wanted that to like shield me against like, you just hate women. It's like, no, no, go talk to that guy, you know? So that's, that's, uh, that's why I had the actuary in there. Yeah, no, I, I, I had a, I had a note about that. Cause that actually is really smart. That's usually where, uh, I, I just posted a clip from, uh, I have a group discussion I, I do on YouTube with, a, with some other guys on TikTok. 
called the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. And we were talking about another book called um, The Truth About Marriage in the USA. And okay. the the author of that is a you know a friend of ours, and he he wrote down a bunch of you know numbers and stats, and he cited sources and stuff in there. But of course, when we were talking about it in this clip that we posted, the first question is, "Where's your source?" You're like, "Well, the, right. the, this book is our source, and they sourced other sources." So I mean, I don't know, but mm-hmm. yeah, the fact that you have an actuary in there, it's it sort of holds up. Yeah. And it kind of bypasses like, look, man, I'm not I'm not. And the book also was not written for women, journalists, feminists, politicians, anyone that would have an ideological opposition to this. This was it was basically like, yeah, here's my actuary. Here's the stamp of approval. And until you come up with better numbers and I even claim that in the book, like, you know, this is new territory we're going over. Mm -hmm. These are not, you know, down to the decimal, but we're going for a ballpark figure. But in the meantime, if you got a complaint with the statistics, go get your own damn actuary and you come up with your own numbers and statistics. Right. So, but that has largely mooted or muted rather, I should say, uh, the, the criticism. No one, ironically, no one's even questioned any of my research or my data, even when in the book, I've, I'm like, well, here's someone that's a little loot. And if you guys got better data, no one's, no one's done anything. So I think everyone should have an actuary. You should all have an actuary, mm-hmm. stamp of approval on a book, and no one bothers you ever again. Kind of nice. Have, I haven't, so I, when I was doing my research for this, I was looking up other YouTube videos and stuff like that. I didn't see any negative reviews of the book. Have you seen any negative well reviews? yeah there's i mean there's always going to be negative reviews of the book simply because you're going to have haters like i got a book ironically out not a, the title's not ironic it's the black man's guy out of poverty yeah. ironically the number well not the number one but one of the key criticisms is that i'm racist it's like do you understand what that word means you know yeah. like here's a book intended to actually help out black men mm-hmm. and there's a, a group of haters that come up but you're always going to have those people um, that are going to critique your book. So, I mean, a, a, the sign of a really interesting book is a lot of five-star reviews and a lot of one-star reviews because at least it's controversial and you're, you're, you're at least inciting or upsetting somebody. But yeah, there's there's always going to be some criticisms, but it's usually some SJW who doesn't like me and like, oh, Aaron Clary is a poopy head. Uh, One-star review. Like, okay, fine, you know, whatever. But no, generally speaking, anyone yeah. serious about reading it, they like it. Yeah, you, you you brought that up. I noticed on, on Twitter today, you did have a couple of tweets about about the black community. I agreed mm-hmm. with you. I mean, I think you're you're 100% right there. But I, when I, I saw the tweets, I was like, how does he not get put in some kind of TikTok jail for or, or, or Twitter because jail for that? Because I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> and and I, don't know, um, I don't know what lurks in the hearts of Twitter or YouTube censors. Mm-hmm. My goal is to help out my fellow black man. I'm, I'm not black, but my fellow man who happens to be black. Sure, sure. And the the approach I take is not conventional. That's it. It would be no different than, you know, there's uh, Western established scientific medicine. And then I have more of an Eastern um, holistic approach where it's like, well, try this root or try this tea or something like that. Yeah. The goal is still to help out people with just defer or differ on um, how to do that. And normally... Um, when someone is critiquing any group of people or any political thing, it's usually out of spite or uh, I would even maybe say hatred or they're just angry because like that group of people X, Y, Z. No, the point is like, hey, I want to help these people out. And so as long as you're being honest about that, and I am, it's like it's it's there's constructive criticism where you're harsh on them because you care. 
And so that's where I, and I think maybe the almighty powerful sensors picked that up. Um, but we'll see, but, uh, so far, yeah, I've, uh, I, I think that's why I've, um, avoided the, the wrath of the censors and the gavel and have been banned to Facebook jail. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that even though I think, I think some social media like Facebook is pretty bad. I've been in, I've been to Facebook jail like a million times. I have a uh-huh. political page on there. Uh, but like TikTok is absolutely ruthless when it comes to anything conservative, uh, anything libertarian, anything that goes against the narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. In my original account, I, I had like 30,000 followers. I got banned in June completely. Mm-hmm. Had to regrow from scratch. And, and my second time around, I've been very careful on how I word things just because their censorship is so bad. But I just I didn't know how, how bad it was on Twitter. I haven't seen a problem on Twitter. It it depends. I mean, it, it's um, the because uh, I've known people, they will get banned for the dumbest thing. Like I had an Instagram post where it, you you, you kind of wonder, like, how did that get banned? That has nothing to do with politics or criticism. Um, and I can't even remember because it was so innocuous. But um I, I don't know when, when it comes to the social media stuff, like I assume it will end at any moment. I pretty mm. much save all my money. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I, I, uh, I'm polite. Uh, I may be very scathing or, or critical, but it always comes out of a, a, a source of trying to improve people. Um, but I mean, who knows, man? Like I, I like TikTok. I have a TikTok channel. It's not big at all. I think maybe I got 300 followers. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't been kicked off of that because my whole point is to insult young people. Yeah, uh, yeah. but so that one, I don't know why that that I I, I found it. On your, oh, did you? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Through your through your Twitter, I found that, and yeah, you, you don't have very many posts either. But like the, I think the last post you had was like you pulling out an AR-15 or something. And yeah, I was like, I was like, how did he not get that taken down? Because I did a video like late last year where I had mm-hmm. a gun out and it immediately got taken down because there was a gun in it. Yeah, I don't. I, I think maybe because it's just such a small channel, no one cares. Okay, that that probably is it too. But I I don't. And you know, if TikTok goes, that's fine. I the the great thing, and I'm sure you and other people have this. Like, you like this is a blessing having all this social media, and you know, we get to effectively have radio shows, and we're the new internet media, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we always had another job we could always go to, where I got other projects where it's like, oh darn, I'm taking off of. TikTok. All right, fine. I'll, I'll move on. But um, it, it's uh, as long as you don't need it, it's okay. You know, but if your if your main goal is like, I'm going to make money as an internet celebrity, like, well, you better be obeying the rules and be very polite and put up a lot of puppy videos or something, because that's about <laughs> the only thing that's going to make it in the long term. Yeah, I I've been trying to shake my ass on on TikTok. So far, that's not no luck. Out, but yeah, <laughs> but I thought that's what you had to do. That's that's what they do on that platform. Hey, men and women are the same now. I don't know why you're not making a hundred thousand dollars a month with your with your fans only account. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, going back to your your book though, the book of numbers. At the beginning of the book, you said that you you brought CDs to college parties in case they called you out for being a libertarian yeah, and you yeah. can show them charts and data to back up your arguments. Is that right. a true story? That's a true story. I don't make this up. I didn't end up here because I had a normal life and I had to fabricate it. I came <laughs> here through a very circuitous route, a very non-traditional path. Yes, that ended up happening. That ended up happening. Um, it was, it, you. Ha- if you haven't lived in Minneapolis, you, you, you couldn't understand it, I guess, but that did happen. It yeah, you were saying you were saying that it was a, it was a very liberal school, 
And if the word got out that you're a libertarian, like all of a sudden you couldn't get laid anymore. Well, it wasn't even that. I, I wish they knew what a libertarian was. No, these are house parties after college, although certainly in college too, but I didn't have time or money to go to a lot of parties in college days. Um, but certainly in my 20s, you go to these house parties in the Twin Cities. And one, one thing I will grant the Twin Cities a compliment, man, there were some great house parties. They weren't wild or crazy, but it'd be cold outside. They usually have like a hot cider or so be very cozy. It was, there was a, a cultural aspect that you, that was very endearing about it, but man, everyone in Minnesota is, is a Marxist leftist feminist, whatever other is you want to, you want to add to it. And if it was found out that, you know, very much like today, but before, before wokeism was a thing, uh, if it was found out you weren't a Democrat, Oh my gosh, you were you were Hitler number two, you know, mm -hmm. and um, some and I would get out that I was a Republican, which I wasn't a Republican. I was a Libertarian, um, but yeah, it, and then several. I can remember like several times you're like, oh, I didn't know you're a Republican. I'm like, I'm not. I'm a Libertarian, but by that time, you don't. You've already lost the audience. Mm -hmm. No one's going to sit around and listen to a, a lecture about the differences between conservatism and libertarianism. And because most people just want to have a good time and get drunk. But there are were, there were a couple jerks in the party who were like, oh, I know that guy. He, he, he's a Republican. So, but that is absolutely 100% true. That, that did happen. <laughs> I was cracking up because it's your book is uh, interesting. The way, uh, I mean, I listened to it on audio, but the way it flows is it's very much like, Dot, 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 dot. This is a number, you know, this is how it is. And then you'll throw in a, like a funny ass quip. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, all of a sudden, take it out of the book for a second and laugh at my ass off. So, right. It's <laughs> well, you can't numbers and statistics and economics. You can't have it all be dry. You can't have it all be no because you will lose your audience. Yeah. And so two things, you cannot make it so deep. You lose the average person. Mm -hmm. And that's where most economy, I guess any, any, uh, academic or doctorate would you'll put people to sleep so you got to make it practical you have to make it understandable and by god you got to toss in a bit of humor there or at least a acerbic wit for people to kind of snap out of it and pay attention once again so yeah it, it, the the yeah. books i read are i wouldn't say watered or the books i write rather the books i write are not watered down but i go to extreme measures to clearly think through uh, whatever advanced economic concept I understand intuitively in my mind is like, okay, how does the average person who doesn't have a background in economics or finance or whatever understand this? And so anecdotes, analogies, humor, and then really precisely getting down to brass tacks and then not overcomplicating it with the exceptions or caveats or anything like that. Okay. Well, I would say mission accomplished then. It, it, it turned out Thank really you. well that way. Thank you. Um, so we, we touched on this a little bit, but uh, what's really great about the book is it's real concise. It can be easily referenced for people like in the manosphere when they make claims about marriage, divorce, because you, you hear things all the time like, you know, women only go for the top 20% of men on dating apps and stuff like that. But it's, so right. your book, when the, people ask, well, what's your reference? It's really easy to pull that up and say, what's well, on page, you know, whatever. Right. Was, was that your intention was to give guys a, like a reference? Guys. Not really, not really a reference. It was more to like wake them up to the risks that they are facing, and okay. and not only the risks, but also if you've read it, you know, uh, not the rewards, but the the cost. Yes, because like, it's a huge time and financial commitment to this pursuit. So it it wasn't really like here's a cited documentation that you can go and and also to hopefully get laid when you go to parties and they find out you're not a <laughs> Marxist leftist. That was not the the point of the book. I mean, you know, of course it, it serves that 
uh, function if you wanted to because the, the data is there. But it was more like, here's your risks, here's your costs. Now go do with it what you may. And, that, and the end part is also, here's some variables you can tweak that'll most dramatically in- increase your chances of success as well. Yeah, I, I want to touch on that too a little bit. Um, one thing that you, you talk about is essentially all advances in society and industry were because men wanted to get laid, basically. Well, I don't, not exactly that, but yeah. the majority, yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, men, men need a reason to get up. Now, you could take a true, there are some people who just have a passion for their field, like uh, Nikolai Tesla yeah. was not terribly interested in gals. And I don't believe Nietzsche was either, although uh, I think both paid or whatever. That's neither here nor there. You could have someone who's very passionate about writing or whatever else, but let's not kid ourselves. The only reason they get out of bed in the morning grand is to, scale. to go get girls. Yeah, grand scale. Like, I want to make, why? Here's the thing. Why would you, why does every guy want to be rich? To impress chicks. To impress chicks. Now, a smarter answer would be, well, so I'm free and I could do what I want, but then you would yeah. stop working. You know, like once you get your 1.2 million or whatever it is, you'd stop working. But most guys buy fancy cars, fancy clothes. You go to college, you do all this because you want to get girls. And if, if you back that out, you're like, holy crap, like there'd be 12% of the GDP we got now. And we'd still be living in caves if it weren't for that. I mean, quite literally, there would be not much. You know, I don't know if Edison chased girls or not, but you know, uh, I, I wonder if if you took away uh, the pea sleeve, would Edison have uh, tamed electricity? It'd be a very good question. That is, it, I've never even thought about that though until I I listened to your book. That I was like, geez, do do I go to work every day just to impress chicks? And I'm like. Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, my house, I have it set up really nice in case I bring a chick over. In case you know? you're right. Right. I mean, it, and I'm not saying it's all you sit and think about. I mean, right. there's you got to go through Maslow's hierarchy of need. You need food, clothing, shelter, stability and security. I mean, there's your yourself as well. But one, you know, let's just be honest. If you're a bachelor and you ain't got no responsibilities, you can get by in about 15 percent of what the average income is in the U.S. right now. Just with food, clothing and shelter and safety, you're fine. You need a studio apartment. Maybe you need a car or a bike. Um, but once you throw girls in there. I mean, now you're getting your master's degree. Now you're going into engineering. Now you're, um, uh, McMansions would not exist. Range Rovers wouldn't exist if there were no women because no guy wants a McMansion. Not one guy wants it. Now sports yeah. cars and muscle cars might exist because they have all merit unto themselves. Sure. But like Lambos, um, uh, Mercedes <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Men do to impress girls. No, they, they, they would not be. And then you're, you, you would have that much less production. There's just that much less GDP. <laughs> yeah. When I got to that part of the book, I was like, I think he's, I think he's onto something there. There's really, yeah. I mean, my, my brother, for instance, he's basically mm-hmm. like a total incel type guy. He doesn't listen to this. So I can, I can talk shit about my brother, but mm-hmm. he, he, and he lives like, I, you talk about living minimalist. He lives, he has all this property, has tons of property, but he lives in a camper trailer, like a shell that goes on the back of his, his truck. He has like two of those on a couple of his properties. He just lives in that. Mm-hmm. He works as a mechanic. He just saves all of his money because he goes, he goes to a food bank and just gets a bunch of food from the food bank and doesn't spend any money on food and goes to thrift stores and he lives like he's happy. He's totally happy too. Right. So like, who am I to say like, that's a wrong way to live. And, 
and he's just got gobs of money because he never spends it, right. you know, but he also doesn't care about women either. So it's like, I think you're honest. I think no, you're I, but there's numbers in that book. You could, you could look it up. No, yeah, it, it is. I would, I mean, it, there's no way to figure this out, but I would estimate that <clears throat> let's, let's take away technological advancements. Today's economy would be about a quarter of what it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you did not have the uh, romantic, sexual, and, and procreation, a lot of guys also want to have kids. If you remove the opposite sex, men would, they'd shut down the impulse power. They'd be at a quarter uh, of production because that's all we really need to get by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're really onto something there. You also talk about, and you said in the book too, it's not really quantifiable, but you discuss opportunity costs when it comes to pursuing women. So mm-hmm. If a young guy didn't spend money on drinks and fancy dinners, et cetera, to, to impress women instead, you know, still, still worked his butt off, but put all that money in a Roth IRA or something like that. He could be a, a millionaire by our multiple. Age. Yeah. Almost $10 million. Now yeah. that's gross, not net of tax, but yeah, you would be a multiple millionaire. If you live to the 78, blah, 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 S&P 500, you know, opportunity costs. And that is, that is the point. Like your, your cash expense, your physical cash outlay is going to be around, 265. Um, mm-hmm. But had you invested that, uh, you're talking multiple millions of dollars in terms of opportunity costs. So it, it's not a, a surprise that your brother could probably retire right now. And he I don't even know if he's 40 yet or not. He, he's a little bit older than me. So yeah, he's, okay, he's a little 46. Older, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. But well, he could retire if he wanted to. You probably. Know, he probably has the money and the, and the real estate and the assets. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's just you're not you're not taking on that added financial liability, and you're not spending the money on that pursuit. So, and, and and then there's also a time, and maybe I didn't expand on this, but if you throw in your time, you know, it's always the money. Oh, I could have done the money on this. Well, then there's your time. Like you could yeah. have gotten a doctorate, you could have started a company, you could have, or you could have had fun. You know, forget financial. There's also fun opportunity costs. Like you could have read a book, you could have not been stood up. 187,000 times, you know, it's, so there's, there's other, there's huge opportunity costs, not just financial. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But still like, I, I don't know, chasing women is kind of fun still. <laughs> it, 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 it is, but see, you were married for so long. Yeah. Like it's still maybe fun or novel to you. After a while, you're like, I, I don't know if you know this guy, his name's Jack Napier. We, uh, yeah. Not, I, I, not the, yeah, the, the I, hot, Scott, the Dutch guy. Yeah, I know of him. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So we are now he's up to like, I don't know, 38, 39 lays. And and I, I said 30 by 30. You want to have 30 by 30. And then it's 31 isn't going to be anything different. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, but it's so fun. But he's starting to get to that point where it's like, yeah, what, what's 42 versus 41 going to be? I'm like, just one more number. And it's I'm glad you're still excited. I'm glad you still enjoy the hunt. But, <laughs> you know, I've, I've had enough chocolate ice cream. I'm sick of chocolate ice cream. I'm, I'm going to sit and just give that up for a while. So uh. I, I was sitting there thinking about it, though. It's like uh, some people like gambling, right? Like my ex-wife loved to go to a casino and I couldn't I couldn't fucking stand it. It's like she would go to a casino and I'd go in there with her and I would, you know, put 20 bucks down on blackjack and lose it and go, well, I'm fucking done. Right. You know, and she was like, what? Why? I, I'm looking at it like it's paying for entertainment. And I'm like, I look at it like I'm just losing money here. Right. But I but I on the opposite side, I look at dating like, well, I'm having fun, you know, so it's entertainment. Yeah. But no, I mean, and, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, yeah, you go out, have a good time. And I think expectations, manage your expectations is very key. Now, mm-hmm. most of my day that when I was younger, I was idealistic, right? Maybe principled yeah. as opposed to like 
realistic. Um, and maybe if, you know, if I were to go back now with a much more reasoned and, and, and empirically based mind where you had no expectations, like, yeah, meet me at this bar. It's great. And the bar is like below your apartment building. <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay. There's a lot of things. And yeah. Okay. That could be fun. But uh, back in the day, you know, when there was before the internet, and, uh, there was proper data, like, oh, I'll pick you up. And man, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, Paul, because I mean, if you were married at 20, <clears throat> but here you are, you're 19 years old. You know, you got Friday off, you saved up your money and you're supposed to pick up a girl and you go to the house and her dad answers. And he's like, who the hell are you? I'm like, I'm supposed to pick up Amy. She doesn't want to see you like and wasn't returning your calls. And you're like, that sucks. That yeah. That's a little bit more than a mosquito bite. But that would make dating tiring very quickly. Yeah. Um, whereas yes, now with maybe perhaps a, a more mature experienced set of eyes, yeah, dating can be fun, but yeah, man, don't, don't invest your emotion. Don't have any expectations, have your expectations in line with reality and whatever good stuff happens. Yeah. I could see where dating might be fun. Yeah. I, I did do, I did date before I, uh, I, I got married. I used to be a sailor. So I was, oh, in the, okay. I was in the Navy. I used to chase tail. I never, I never had a father tell me that, uh, you know, a chick, didn't want to see me, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, I, I look at it like it was much harder back then, honestly, because you had to talk to people in person. You had to cold approach a little bit more. And now with like the, the, the online dating, it, it's just like the world's your oyster. I mean, you get, I, I think you get ghosted and, uh, flaked on like a thousand oh, sure. percent more. Right. Right. But as, as long as you're doing it with, with intention and, you know, you're just like, okay, whatever, moving on, moving on next, next bus. Then it's, then it can be fun. They're like, you know, right. Like, Your investment is just swiping, yeah. you know, and maybe a text or something going back and forth. And even that I would argue is kind of a waste of time. We look at how much time people are spending on it, sure. but yeah, there, you are correct. There's no longer that in-person, I wouldn't call it emotional investment, but there's an investment of your personal time and you're much closer to it uh, than that. But yeah, nowadays, yeah. And, and maybe it, it's just, you could almost take a, uh, what's the, a nonchalant approach to it. Like swipe. So most guys do you're on the toilet, swipe, swipe, swipe. You're in the chat, swipe, swipe, swipe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could, I could see where that, that non-investment is you can, you can be uh, indifferent about it. I feel like a lot of, a lot of men and women, uh, I see them on social media all the time. They do get overly invested with that. And like, they put all their eggs in the one basket and they're like, Oh, I've got a live one. I'm chatting with them. And then they ghost them. And then they're completely heartbroken. I'm like, you know what? If you just separate yourself from that right, <laughs> and, and try to date multiple people and like it, it be, it's a much better experience than but when, when you did enough girls yeah. to realize they're not that great to begin with, once the sheen <laughs> is gone, once the mystery is gone, you're like, and by the way, guys, it's not bad luck. They're pretty much all like that. Like there's going to be drama. There's good. I'm late. Oh, I, there's going to be, Oh, I, I couldn't make it. Cause my girl, it's another guy. Once you accept that and understand like, this is just for fun, much more healthy approach to it. But yeah, the emotional, I, I mean, who, who invests emotionally anymore into dating? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. It, suckers do. That's right. <laughs> that's certainly not, not smart people. Like, going back to the, the opportunity costs and Roth IRA. One thing mm. that I, I tell my, I'm trying to teach my kids now is that, uh, you know, regardless of dating and spending money on people, like if you put your, like my daughter, she's, she has her first job, for instance, right. She works at uh, Wendy's 
I, t- I make her every payday put 10% of her paycheck away in savings. And then when she turns 18, cause we can't open a Roth until she's 18. Uh, right. She's going to move all that money into a Roth. And I, I, I want well, her you could to do a, in, If you're looking to jump the gun, you can do a custodial account. It'd be okay. Your name, but yeah, look at that. Cause there's no reason to just let it sit in a savings account. If you want to park it somewhere, but yeah, custodial account is what you're looking for. Oh, okay. I'll look into that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to, it, essentially I'm trying to teach my kids that at a young age to start putting their money away in, in, mm-hmm. a, in a Roth because so that they can retire. Um, would you recommend that to younger guys as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the key thing is youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you remember your maybe fifth grade or sixth grade math class, there's the power of compounding or uh, exponential math. And so it's, it's not so much how much you invest, so that certainly is a factor, but the biggest factor is how early do you invest? And so if you start squirreling away your money in an average returning mutual fund, blah, 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 you, you can be way further ahead than your average 50-year-old if they started when they were 30. And I know the, the paradox, the problem is when you're younger, you don't have the money, but even if it's like you know $100 a month, which you can afford, that's going to go a lot further than $500 a month when you're 42. Mm-hmm. And that's just how the, the power of compounding works. So yes, that is a great habit to get into. What the, the real habit you ought to teach is when you start a new job, I don't know if Wendy's offers this or not, but it immediately auto deducts into your retirement plan. Uh, mm-hmm. where you don't even see it. So it's kind of like your insurance and your food, a suda, wuda, tax, the income tax. You don't even see it. It's part, just considered part of taxes you'll never see again. And it's squirreled away or whatever, a Fidelity account or um, any, any financial management company. Um, that is an outstanding, not, not probably, that is the number one financial thing you can do. Uh, yeah. to improve your finances. Yes. Yeah. Especially if it's company match. Cause then it's like, free Oh money. yeah. Yeah. If you get that too. Absolutely. That's the first thing you do even before paying off your credit card. Sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so go back to your, your book. Uh, the stats in the book are largely focused on the average guy, average Joe five, I think is right. what you average wrote in the book. Joe five. Yes. Why did you go with, with average guy for these numbers? Because that's that's the majority of people. If we go plus or minus a standard deviation, we're talking 68% of the male population. We go to now we're at 95%. So if we base it on average, and I think every guy in their mind has an idea of average Joe five, and you can roughly ballpark where you are relative to average Joe five, you know, like your brother, no offense to him. He's probably below average guy five, not in finances, but if he's fat and he's an incel, he's not gonna, maybe he's a three. Okay. Now you hit the gym and you're in good shape. You're not overweight. And, and you make, um, you know, 80 grand a year, well, you're, you're about a seven. So it gives you a, a reference point that everybody can agree upon. Plus, the other thing is I had to kind of, I mean, I could that book would be 10 times thicker if I ran the scenario and the numbers for, okay, you're a one, here it is. You're a two, here it is. True. You're a three, here it is. So that's, that was uh, somewhat difficult. Um, and I, I frankly didn't want to do all the math involved in the book wouldn't sell because it'd be a thousand page book. Um, but within there and, and, kind of towards the, the later chapters or the ending chapters, I do tweak some of the variables and address like four or five key areas. Like, okay, look, if you do these things, it will have this percentage effect on the chances of you getting happily married or finding a date or getting late, et cetera. And I'm not giving away the book or anything here. It's things like weight, being, being in shape, income, 
and I forgot I'd have to consult the book again, but there's like three or four key. Oh, and, and, uh, the number of girls you ask out, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. so it's, it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's very interesting to see like, well, what if I go from asking one girl out per three months in person to asking out 10 girls a month? Oh, drastically exponentially affects uh, your chances. Um, so that's why I kind of did average Joe five is it, it, it's a, everyone knows it. It's a known quantity. I think we've all been an average Joe five, at least one time in our life. And we're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see where it is. So that it's just for a reference point mainly. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The asking 10 girls out versus a hundred girls or what, that's like a law of averages type thing, you know? Just, yeah. 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 Um, now, one thing too that I, I put down here, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems though that a lot of the numbers for the women are not average women though. They're like, and you even said in the book, like uh, the, the marriageable women, you know, like it's like less than 3%. Yeah. It, like they're essentially unicorns. Right. So you're like the, so you, you equated like, okay, the, the, the odds that average Joe five is going to get with one of these is like, it's basically impossible. Nothing. Yeah. No, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. It, it, it pretty much is impossible. I mean, now <clears throat> nothing's impossible. I mean, again, if you ask out 10 times the number of girls you're asking out now, you've increased your, your chances by a thousand percent. Um, but no, it's, and that, that's one of the main things like, well, I'm like, uh, what do they say? The, the, your, your anger, your, uh, your misery is the difference between expectations and reality. I want to bring everybody's expectations into reality. Like, no, have basically have no expectations. Right. It's pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that is, but the, the women are, uh, uh, I, I just have to say a very low quality. If you are looking for a committed quality, marriageable woman, um, I'm not saying that they're not higher quality in other capacities or regards, but in terms of traditional wifing and mother, no, it, it, it's, it's garbage. Yeah. There's, there's not the supply of women in there today. Yeah. Average Joe five has a much better chance of getting with average Susan three. I don't know. <laughs> right. But average Susan, well, yeah, three on looks, but I mean, also talking it, and, and just so everyone knows the book. And again, we like, we had to select average Joe five. I has to say, well, what is success? Well, right. If you're a player, it's just getting laid. If you want to be the married man. And so I went with this, the traditional happily married. That's what I, but the, the journey along the way, you can see other statistics and, right. and what it is. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, average Joe five, if he just wants to get laid, you go to you go to Reno or Las Vegas and you pay for it. That's I mean that's the quickest, most direct route uh, to absolve that. But and I think most men at least are programmed this way. You want to find a girl that you're going to be in love with. You like to inevitably marry. Who and every guy wants to have his fun along the way. But using that as your traditional um, uh, benchmark, give it up. I mean, just give it up. It, it's not there. Yeah, I I. Did a, I had a discussion with the with the those the Fantastic Four guys. We did an episode on what does it mean to be successful with women, and mm -hmm. really, it, it is very subjective, you know. Because I see it a lot in my comments where I'll be talking about like pickup and dating multiple women and stuff like that, and then of course people will say, "Well, uh, you know, you're clearly still single" or something like that. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, at the time, you know, at the time I was single, and I was like, uh." Yeah. I mean, I like it though. I like dating multiple women. So like, I mean, is that an insult really? I mean, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it, 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 it totally is. I mean, like they are two complete, well, I would say opposite, but they're definitely two different goals. If you would just want to date and have sex, 
that is not the same goal as getting married no. or finding a girl you want to commit to. They are com- you, you look for almost the opposite qualities and traits in women. I mean, aside from physical beauty, like which is a requirement in both cases, you if you're just wanting to have fun and no commitment, you almost want, yeah, okay, single mom, maybe sure. You know, you you you're you make bad decisions and hopefully <laughs> I'll be one of them. Uh, but if if you're going for marriage, you don't want the single mom. But so yeah, it all it's very subjective to what your overall goals are. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we talk about finance a little bit. You have another book. Uh, that I want to add to my book list called Bachelor Pad Economics. Mm-hmm. How many books do you have now? I got, uh, I think about 10 real ones. And then I have like a compendium where I backed up my blog, just the best of posts in case YouTube or Google rather decided to take it down. But I have uh, like 10 real books. Um, yeah. And Bachelor Pad Economics is probably the one I'm most notable uh, noted for. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to read that. And I saw an interview you did with Rich Cooper. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how a lot of people are fake rich, largely to impress women. We talked about a little bit about that. What what does fake rich mean? It means you you have assets, but you have liabilities equal to those assets. You aren't rich. You just have fancy assets. I saw this, uh, I don't know if if I mentioned this, but I I have a background in banking. Mm -hmm. And uh, 15 years. And guess how many people I saw that were truly rich? I've seen thousands of people's tax returns, thousands of people's balance sheets. Guess how many people I saw that were actually rich? Uh, 10. Two. Only two guys that were actually rich. Everybody else, fine. You had a $2.5 million house. You had $500,000 in luxury cars. But you had $3.2 million in debts. And mm-hmm. you had no income and no cash flow. That is the vast majority of, quote, rich people you see today. They are not rich. They have nice assets, but they took other people's money out of the bank. They don't own those assets is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at, I would have to estimate that what you see as wealth in, in the world, and, and you, me, and I think everybody else is, oh, man, look at that. And you have one or two responses to rich people. You hate them and you think you're entitled to their crap and you're the Marxist parasite type. Or like, dang, I wish I could do that. And you more aspire. In either case, the vast majority of the time you looked at, man, I wish I could be, you didn't want to be that person. That person had a nagging wife. That person was living paycheck to paycheck. That person inevitably filed for bankruptcy. I had it happen multiple times, at least a dozen times where this guy would have a house of cards business. And the only way they made money, they didn't make money. The only way they kept the business afloat was to keep borrowing money out of their homes because the price went up. And then inevitably, one bank, because they'd have multiple lenders, uh, one bank would not lend them the money. So they didn't have any cash coming in. So they couldn't make the mortgage payments or the car payments. And soon enough, it would get all repossessed. And the wife had no clue what was going on because they didn't study a balance sheet. They didn't take accounting in college. And mm-hmm. then sure enough, they get divorced. And that happened many The boat would get repossessed. The house would get repossessed. The cars would get repossessed. Um, so the vast majority of these people, one, are not wealthy. Yeah, They have all borrowed it. Two, they're also very miserable because no matter how much of a front they put on like, dude, bro, I'm making the six things, living the life. And they're playing that, that gangster music in the back and all that. That's all fake. That's all fake. And when they go home, it's like, oh, crap, how do I get more money? That's that's really what, what you're seeing the vast majority of people. The rich people, like truly rich people, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. They'd be standing right next to you in the grocery store and you wouldn't know. They'd probably be using coupons. You wouldn't know it. Yeah, I I used to uh, look at 
the McMansions and the fancy cars and, and sort of aspire to that sort of level of richness until mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know how, what you think about them, but I got turned on to uh, Dave Ramsey's book. Oh yeah. Uh, Dave Ramsey. Sure. Good. Yeah. 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 So I read, I read total money makeover. That book changed my life. I remember looking in my garage at all the shit I had in my garage going, mm-hmm. this all used to be money one day, you know? Yeah. And, I, and, and then I read millionaire next door. Right. And, That's another one. Yep. Yeah. And, Those are like, those are on my like top 10 books of life changing books because that one talks about how real wealthy people like don't buy the sports cars typically. They have like reliable, slightly used Fords, you know, and they pay for it in cash and they have regular size houses. They don't have big McMansions and stuff like that. So I'll tell you the the only thing that wealth, real wealth will afford you is freedom Mm -hmm. and, 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 and peace and contentment, security. That's all it can afford you. And now, okay, fine. You can, if you're Jeff Bezos, I guess you can afford yourself your own personal F-16. All right. We're talking like (laughs) a true one percenter, right? But generally wealthy, the only thing richness can buy you true wealth is peace, contentment, security, and freedom. Because then you don't have to work for anybody else. But that's it. That's all it buys. So anyone with their flashy toys, unless they are like a, uh, what's his name? Um, Brendan, Brandon, who's the guy in charge of Virgin Company? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, him and Larry Ellison, he's the guy who owns Oracle. That is, those guys go out and do adventurous stuff. They Richard, get their Richard Branson. Rich, Richard Branson, right, yeah. okay. And and Larry Ellison, like Larry Ellison does the yachting across the, the, across the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Branson does pilots and flying and all that. Okay, that's legit wealth, all right? And, and, but Mr. No Name... Like, yeah, I'm a sales dude. Dude, I make so much money. No, the second you open your mouth about how much money you make, you do not make that money. And, and that is not that 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 sports car. You don't own it. The bank owns it. So just don't get jealous of these people. Just just you're not missing out on anything. You you uh, have a more of a minimalist approach, right? Do you, you live Correct. sort of a minimalist lifestyle? I mean, it's not yeah. so minimalist that you're living in like a tiny house, is it? But no, but here, here's what happened. I'm, I'm older now. And I lived a truly humbling, minimalist lifestyle, in, in part because I had no money. It wasn't like I got $10 million, but I'm only going to live off of 10000 yeah. No, I mean, I was poor. and uh, But I kept up my good spending habits or lack of spending habits. I never spent more than I made. I always bought cars for cash. And I always lived in a one-bedroom type of thing. Now, even if I owned a, a triplex, which I did, I lived in the basement and rented out the upstairs. And what just exactly like your brother, over time, the money does accrue mm-hmm. and then you have significant wealth. And now you're kind of running into the opposite thing. I, I should have brought it down, actually. Um, but I'll give you an example. Uh, so I, I took I sold my house in the Twin Cities, uh, built a house out here in Rapid City. First real house I've ever owned because uh, everything else has been a duplex or a triplex. I'm living in one little part of that uh, duplex or triplex. So now I got to buy art because I've never had this much wall space. And this house isn't even that big. It's just, I got like three rooms now. So I dropped, uh, what was it? Like 75 bucks on a Cowboy Bebop uh, canvas poster. So it's very nice, very high quality because I'm on a habit for the right. So the, the problem that people like your brother probably runs into is like he won't part with his damn money. He won't enjoy life. So I'm never going to go buy a Ferrari or nothing. I don't have millions to spend either. But like, okay. Um, you know, instead of, <laughs> I know it sounds stupid, but okay. 
no more McDonald's for me. It's Sonic by God. We're we're lower middle class. We're not poor anymore. We're Sonic people now. Uh, maybe maybe I will go and get the sushi every once in a while. So yeah. yes, I am a minimalist, but I'm also old. I have no kids. I've never been married. Never been divorced. And as an economist, you got to do something with the money. So mm-hmm. you you should like travel. I'm all for people traveling. Uh, and going on adventures and all that. So you do need to spend your money on yourself as long as it doesn't threaten your long-term uh, financial stability. So yeah, I mean, go go and live life. Uh, but by God, living life is not driving a sports car. Yeah, I th- I, I find that spending money on uh, memories is more yes. val- valuable than spending money on stuff. Right. Well, and you got kids. So I mean, like, you know what? Take your kids to Disneyland. Take your kids on that cross-country trip that they're going to hate and they're going to have to do the sign game or whatever. Go do that because you're not going to have another chance to do it. They'll be 18. They're going to be gone and you won't you won't see them again. Well, you mean you see them again, but they won't be the little kids again. So I'm all for getting experiences with, with other fellow human beings, especially if they're your kids. Yeah. Great. Um, I saw a few tweets where you're poking fun at cryptocurrency and uh, right. crypto bros. Are, yeah. are you not a fan of crypto? No, I am a fan of crypto. I own okay. crypto. Not a lot, but I own some. You're going to be disgusted. Do you know what I paid for my Bitcoin? How much? I bought one at 800 bucks and I bought another at 35. It was, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so you have two whole Bitcoins. No, I, I cashed in <laughs> some to pay pay for the property out here. Okay. Um, and, and, and yeah, I don't have a huge portfolio or anything, but I, I got like two thirds of a Bitcoin left. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's some, and I am pro Bitcoin because I do believe cryptocurrency in general is a part of, you know, you know, it's a part of a nutritious, well, part of a diversified portfolio is not just your stocks, bonds, and, and mutual funds. Uh, you have precious metals and absolutely some crypto in there. Absolutely crypto. So I am very pro crypto. Those are just really good jokes on crypto bros. So I, yeah. I kinda, well, there I are people that are, are, <sighs> I, I feel like right now is a shitty time and we're recording this in December. Who knows what's going to happen when right. this drops because it's such a volatile market, but uh, people right now are really hyping it up because it's dropping. And so mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, oh, it's, it's a good time to buy. It's a good time to buy. And I find that when everyone's telling me to buy it, it's like the worst time to buy it. Yeah. I mean, it's cheaper now than it was before. I guess I haven't followed it. Um, but I, but you know, I, I of course have a, uh, a flippant point of view because I already got mine and I bought yeah. it in a very low price. So, but if I were like a younger man or a younger woman, I didn't have any crypto, I would be kind of doing a dollar cost averaging approach. And yeah. people keep asking me like, how much should I have in crypto? I'm like, I don't, I mean, cause it, you're, it's so volatile. There's no number. I, I would feel better if I had a full Bitcoin or a, a full Bitcoins worth of higher quality, well-known cryptocurrencies yeah. as opposed to none at all. And what that would allow you to do is like if this economy collapses or any other economy collapses, you're not the poor refugee going to some other country with $3 in your pocket. You're like, oh, I got a, about a year's worth of living expenses in crypto and you're, you're, not, you're not starving essentially. Got it. What do you think about like some of the smaller coins that come out randomly? Oh God, there's like, there's over 2,000 cryptocurrencies now and that, yeah. that's my main complaint about it. But, and I don't, I'm not an expert by any means. I know like Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin. Yeah. And I guess those are your three main ones. And but uh, I mean, I read a, a long time ago, it was like two, three years ago, one of the creators of one of the main cryptocurrencies wanted me to value their cryptocurrency. I can't say who it was. I can't say what cryptocurrency it was. I said, look, man, you guys are in such new territory. Whatever traditional measures of, of valuation is, is impossible. 
Um, but but a bit of advice for your listening audience: if you're interested in crypto and you want to start with a like kind of a, a a square one in terms of analysis, what would a cryptocurrency be worth? Take the world's global supply of whatever currency you're interested in, yen, dollar, euros, whatever, and then divide it by the number of bitcoins or the number of Ethereum or whatever. And that is the global exchange. That is like technically the exchange rate. It's not the real exchange rate. The real exchange rate is what people are willing to pay. But I'm just saying in terms of global supply, what's, what's the dollar price of gold? Take all the ounces of gold in the world and divide the number of dollars in circulation by it. There's a beginning point. And so I've, I forgot what it was, but I think, um, especially now with the money printing, we're over $300,000 per Bitcoin. Um, again, that's not the price and Lord knows if it's ever going to, but that's kind of a place to start mm. and, and kind of go through there. So um, there, there's obviously a, a, a lot more to it and it, it is the most volatile beast to, to analyze in terms of economics and finance. Um, but yeah, even, even then it's, it's kind of, that's not the worst thing to slowly accrue a nice little small portfolio in, you know, with money you can afford to lose obviously, but yeah, I'm, I'm very pro cryptocurrency. Just don't be like borrowing money out of your children's college fund and like, dude, bro to the moon. It's like, well, (laughs) (laughs) so invest money you have that you're, you're willing to. Right. To go to zero right. With, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's your, your matches. It's not, finance is not sexy. Get your 401k match, then throw in into a Roth IRA, pay off your high interest credit cards. Don't buy a car you can't afford without cash. Um, and then after you get your high interest credit cards, like, yeah, toss a little bit into silver, toss a little bit into crypto. Um, and then it's an insurance policy. You hope to God you never have to use it and you can pass it on to your children. But it's really nice to have some silver if there's hyperinflation. It's really nice to have crypto if they decide to come for you because you said something naughty in 2012 on the internet. Yeah, yeah uh, good point. Yeah. Uh, one last question and then I'll, I'll let you go and we can wrap up here. You, your website is assholeconsulting.com. Yes. What consulting do you offer exactly? And why do you have to be an asshole about it? Uh, well, <laughs> oh, geez, all such philosophical <laughs> questions. Uh, the the questions I answer are anything I can legally answer and you pay me because I'm a whore. Uh, I, I, and it's just true. I've had the weirdest requests. One guy wanted me to write about what it's like to float on a big red balloon in a parade. And I'm oh. like, okay. All right, fine. And then then more traditionally, like questions like you would have about crypto or finance or investing, which makes sense because most of my books and my experiences in, in finance and banking and stuff like that. So that may, here's my particular situation. What would you do? And like, okay. Um, a lot of it though also comes with career advice. Uh, a lot of obviously men that want to know about how to get the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, also a lot of uh, uh, education. I wrote a book called Worthless um, about not majoring in stupid shit. And uh, people like, hey, I'm, I'm 19 and um, they make me take all these classes that have nothing to do with what I want to study. What should I do? I'm like, join the military and go become a tradesman or something like that. But I, anything to help out a younger person not make the mistakes I did. And like, you know, just basically, you know, I have another co-website called olderbrother.com. Anything your older brother would have told you. And that's where the asshole thing comes in. Like, if you want me to like, spare your feelings and be a therapist of some kind, that takes forever. All right. And they don't solve your problems. The therapists never want to solve your problems. They want, you're great. You're amazing. Oh, things that, 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 whatever therapists tell you, I don't know what it is. It obviously doesn't work because no one's getting better. But with asshole consulting, I can curse at you. I could swear at you. I could tell you what the real problem is. And then you get the F out of there and yeah, okay, it hurt. 
but that cost you 40 bucks, not 40 grand over 10 years to never solve your problem. So, I mean, a classical example, <clears throat> girl, occasionally I do get female clients, um, but you know, and this happened a couple of times, girl comes in, I'm, I'm 30 something and I'd like to find a guy I'm having trouble. What's the first question I ask her? I don't know what. What's the number one problem with women? Why, why can't most women find a guy? Or the guy they want, I should say. I mean, you could always find a two, you know. I feel like uh, a lot of women are, are too picky. No. no. One, one syllable, one word answer. I, I give up. They're fat. Ah! That's it. Okay. They're yeah. fat. Yeah, there you so go. The first thing I say, send me a current picture, full body shot, okay? And I, you don't have to be naked or nothing, but you know, like in a bikini or a fitted dress. I want, and she, oh my gosh, by golly, here comes well endowed Molly. Guess what? She's fat. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you're fat, lose weight, and do not contact me again until you lose the weight. But because if you're not willing to lose the weight, there ain't no reason to go. But that's asshole consulting. I solved a problem in one sentence or, you know, a, a five second consultation. Yeah. It cost her 40 bucks and it's imminently more practical and helpful to her. Because it will actually help her get a guy. Therapist, Oprah, book support, touchy-feely crap, a full multi-trillion dollar industry exists to, to create lies and tell you what you want to hear. And that is, don't hit the gym. It's not your fault. Don't take responsibility. Don't take ownership. And oh, you're brave and amazing. And oh, by the way, there's something wrong with men for not liking your fat ass. Nope, <laughs> not here. We want, so when a guy goes, how do I get girls? Send me a picture. Hey, you're fat. Lose the weight and go to the gym. That's it. Hey, I was thinking about majoring in journalism. No, stop being a pussy and being afraid of math and going to engineering or accounting or something else worthwhile. And that is, that's where asshole consulting, uh, it's, its main selling point is it's like, look, you're not going to like it, but it's true. And that's infinitely, yeah, black man's got out of poverty. That book I was telling you about before. It's yeah. the same thing. It's like, look, you, you want to be lied to, listen to politicians all, all day. And, and then maybe a seventh generation of black people can live in poverty. Or you listen to what I got to say, and it might hurt, but guess what? You're not going to be poor anymore. You know, you actually be quite wealthy is what you, you'd be. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, the motif or the, the theme of asshole consulting is like, I don't have time for your bullshit. I'm not going to lie to you. Now give me your money. And it, and it <laughs> works. I get, I get emails coming like, Hey, five years ago, I was a soy boy putz and da, da. now I'm an engineer and I lift weights and I'm, I'm getting tail left and right. And it's like, yes, it's working. You know, who knew truth would work? Who knew? Amazing. Yeah. That's one of the things that keeps me from getting into any kind of, uh, consulting or, or, or coaching work is I'm like, I don't know if I could deal with people's nonsense. And if you give them advice and then they don't take it, you're like, what the fuck did you even talk to me for? You know, you know and, and some people burn out with that. Um, you know, you know, Rich Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So Rich Cooper, like he, he just, he's like, and for every right, these people come up to him and they'll sell him a wall of Texas, just soppy, gooey, sobby crap. Yeah. And he get I don't know if he gets pissed, but he definitely gets angry and, and perturbed. And he's like, I don't have time for this. Like, no, get out of here. You're not willing to do the work. And so, yeah, it. you look at the abyss too long. Yeah, it does kind of strike back. But a, a release valve is I get to yell and curse at these people when they ask really stupid questions. Yeah, that seems like the only real way of doing it. <laughs> the truth, The truth is the only real way to do anything. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. I mean, and, and yeah, I know, I know lies sell better. I mean, Oprah's made multiple billions of dollars just turning gen two generations now of women into spinsters, you know, good for her. She made a lot of money, but it didn't help. 
It didn't make any of those women happier. And yeah. so, yeah, truth, truth is a hard sell, but it's so rare. You know, I kind of got a little market on it right now. So I, I'm kind of happy about it. <laughs> I like it. Eric, this was a great conversation. Where, where can people find you online? Uh, several places, but uh, I guess my main would just be my YouTube channel if you kind of want to consume because I do the consultations on air. It's kind of like Dear Abby. So people write in and I yell and curse at people publicly on the internet. So just search Aaron Clary. You'll you'll find it, the YouTube thing there. Otherwise, assholeconsulting.com, but that's only if you really want to hire me. Uh, but if you want to consume some work, I'd say go to my blog, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. There's a decade and change of posts there. And then there's links to all my other stuff like books on Amazon. Um, yeah, my there's SoundCloud. You have, oh, I, I also have a, a podcast that I run through my YouTube channel. But if you prefer MP3s, you could find me on uh, SoundCloud. It's called The Clary Podcast. And the other uh, podcast is called Good Morning Corona Chan. Um, and Good Morning Corona Chan? Corona Chan. Like when it came out, I thought it was so stupid. I'm like, this is so <laughs> stupid. How long is this going to last? Well, two years later, it's lasted pretty darn long. So um, I'm going to get back into that more regularly because I finally finished building the house. But yeah, good morning, Corona Chan. I just wake up, I have coffee and I go through the stupid crap. And then we have the, the good morning Corona Chan prayer at the end. And it's very, very meditative, very, very religious. Uh, <laughs> just, it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's just a bunch of fun. That's all it is. All right. I'll link to all these in the description. All right, Aaron. Thanks a lot, man. I, I hope you have a, by the time this drops, it's going to be new year, but I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Well, thank, thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate having you on. <laughs> or have you having me on. Sorry. That's right. A, we, we know what you mean. Right. Right. So, all right. Thanks. We'll see you. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you, picking your brain. Um, I really liked our discussion about investments, uh, you know, the whole Dave Ramsey thing and, and putting your money in an IRA. Thank you for the advice about getting a custodial account for my daughter. I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that. Um, and I have added bachelor pad economics to my reading list. So uh, down the road, expect me to start tweeting out quotes from that. Uh, because that's what I do. I like reading stuff and uh, stuff that really catches my attention. I like putting those quotes out. I like spreading the gospel as it were. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. I will post links to the book of numbers in the description. So make sure you pick up a copy or or get it on Audible. It's a really fascinating book. Um, I mean, he really breaks down those numbers and I highly recommend it. But uh, until next time, we'll catch you later. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.